This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So we've been chatting about the story. We'll continue chatting about it because it's not going away. Because the principal said he was just trying to protect the students. That's his reason for why he waited two days to go to the police. Inevitably, the police ended up coming to him. And it's a decision that he has admitted even to Global News. Well, might have been wrong. And who the police have absolutely clearly stated is what he should have done immediately. I mean, who knows how long that boy or any of those boys suffered in silence. Uh, you know, as their humiliation and their pain is passed around for laughs on the Internet for days. I mean, for them, there is no protection now that can, you know, undo what they should have been protected from before. And so now it's all about reaction, reaction. You know, what was the root cause? How did this happen? And so it all, you know, the the language of toxic masculinity comes into play. I mean, is this just boys being boys? Does it come down to... What's going on at home? Let's bring in Doc Amate. We'll talk about a number of issues. He is a registered psychologist. You can get him at docamate.com. Hello there. Hi, Alex. Let's talk a little bit, um, you know, to start out with, with, you know, the actions or inaction of the principal and what in, you know, in your experience that may have done uh, to further any of these boys' pain. I mean, was that protecting him? No, I mean, I think he's, I, I, I don't know all the details beyond what everyone else knows, but yeah. from what I'm seeing and from what I know about these kinds of cases, it sounds like he was trying to protect the school, protect himself. I don't think the boy's well-being was the primary uh, concern for him. And sadly, this is all too common, at least throughout Toronto. I've worked with so many families who've had similar uh, experiences of inaction. And in the end, it's usually the the kids who are suffering who suffer further. Yeah. I mean, I I have to think, and given your experience in treating people that go through this, whether it's a child that's been taken through this or the extended family, because they all suffer, what happens in the days after this kind of thing happens? And then... Add to it the public, just the massive amounts of attention this particular case is getting. How does that affect that little boy, those boys that are involved in this? Well, fortunately, uh, the public reception so far has been just complete, you know, shock, basically, at how reprehensible the boys were, how poorly the school handled it at first. So at least it's not like uh, people are telling the kid, oh, just suck it up. You know, I went through this kind of thing myself. They're not hearing that, fortunately. Um, Now, there should be, uh, unfortunately, some fear of uh, repercussions. Um, once everything dies down, you know, is the kid going to be worried? Are the kids going to be worried that they're going to be targets of other people? At first, they shouldn't be because, you know, all the attention is on them. But afterwards, they can't help, most likely, but be concerned that somebody else is going to try to, you know, take them out, so to speak. And I don't want to be too dramatic, but, you know, this is something that kids think about when they go to school. And on top of that, in the old days, they just had to worry about this at school or yeah. maybe between school and home. But now it follows them everywhere they go, uh, you know, through social media. 
So they're probably also worried about what's going to happen, you know, online. How does that interrupt or interfere with the uh, healing process, given the fact that this was essentially shopped around for other people's uh, humor? I mean, his pain, and, and there's four incidents, not all the same degree, but in being passed around like that, kind of re-victimized over and over and over again, how do you work through something like that with a child to get them back to, to a state of you know, where they're not like a Retea Parsons, where they don't feel like they can live anymore and they end up, you know, taking their own life. Well, I was just about to say that. I was going to say, unfortunately, know that when um, kids have been subjected to this kind of humiliation and shame, public humiliation, that they do sometimes feel like there's no end because, again, anywhere they turn, they see something about themselves. They, there are some, you know, just some really ugly people out there, whether they're their peers or adults who just, you know, they have no lives of their own. They're sick, they're malicious, and they try to hurt them. So the parents, what they need to do is try to insulate them. There should be no rush. You know, don't go onto social media. Don't go back to school yet. Wait till you're ready. Make sure that that environment is safe for them to return to because, uh, you know, as I said, schools are notorious for not protecting the children who are bullied. And, you know, there are, luckily in my own family's case, the schools have always responded well when my daughters have been, you know, victims of bullying. But I've just got way too many patients who say nothing happens. And I'm telling you, when a kid knows that their parents are trying to help them or don't, but in either way, when the school doesn't respond properly, that kid brings with them um, the sense of injustice, of powerlessness, of helplessness and hopelessness into adulthood, whether it's at university, whether it's at work, whether it's in their relationships. It just it gets carried because we have this need to believe that the power structures will take care of us and will punish the bad. And when that doesn't happen or doesn't happen sufficiently, it just shakes our worldview. Yeah, this is a this is a very tough case because the investigation part of it's going to go on for a long time. The fallout of this is going to go on for a long time. But then there's the whole criminal side of this. And so that boy, those boys are going to have to go through this procedure. They will be protected as far as their identity. We'll never be able to identify them. However, they still have to go through that. They still have to look at the into the eyes of those kids. You know, the accused have the right to see their accuser. And if you and as I have through my court experience, when you see a child or someone who's been violated by a sex crime, it is so heartbreaking to see what they go through on the stand in trying to get justice uh, in a case they would, I think, rather, you know, bury themselves 12 feet under than have to go through. But yet they have to go through this. And so, again, that rips the, the, the Band-Aid off, the healing off, and you have to start all over again, No. Yes, and the only thing you can do is try to mitigate that uh, that pain and and the fear. And you know, we fortunately so far from step one since it's made the you know the news, I hope that the kids are seeing this and realizing that it looks like justice will be served. Uh, like I said earlier, it, you know, nobody is coming to these kids' side. At least not that I'm seeing. I'm talking about the bullies, mm-hmm. right? So I'm hoping that they will feel empowered by this, and that's all that you can do, and try to help them see that this is going to help them reclaim part of their life. Will it take away the pain? No, but will it help them move forward, we hope, and just feel at least a little bit of empowerment? Let's hope so. So let's talk about the bullies, um, as you call them. You know, we hear a lot of conversation about this toxic masculinity, you know, boys will be boys. Is Is that in your mind what this is about? You know, I, I, when I hear toxic masculinity, um, I hear it used way too often, mm-hmm. and it becomes something to, you know, to basically uh, to to condemn just normal males, and I don't like that term. Mm-hmm. So I, and, I don't like it. Either. You know, 
and this is not it's not just your run of the mill bullying because many people experienced teasing some people experienced bullying this was an all out assault both physical and sexual so somebody who would do that kind of a thing is not your typical male we don't want to say oh yeah the you, the average teen is going to you know penetrate somebody with an object against their will we don't want to uh, to foster that thought because if we do then you know everybody's going to be worried about that guy lurking around the corner and then it starts getting into hyperbole so this is not normal it shouldn't be uh you know uh, minimized in any way it has to be seen for what it is these are horrific crimes and i don't know how culpable each of the six or more boys were mm-hmm. but we do know like usually there's one ringleader maybe two and everybody else kind of follows suit they might say nothing or they might join in a little bit they might encourage but it's usually not that we're going to have like a whole gang of psychopaths and i'm not going to call these boys psychopaths because i don't know but there's a possibility that one or more of them has some you know serious personality disturbance that allows them to act with just complete disregard for the well-being of somebody else which in other words is no empathy mm-hmm. and we know that psychopaths lack empathy so again i'm not calling this these kids psychopaths but it is the type of behavior that you would expect from a psychopath. Because I do get the mob mentality that can happen. You see it in riots and that where people who would normally be very much behaved can kind of get roped in with the adrenaline and start doing things like breaking windows. So when you hear about a case like this where it's a group, I mean, we don't really hear about gang sex assault very often. It's a very it's not a charge that is laid very often in this country. But in that circumstance, when you got a group of boys to think that not one of them uh, had the mindset to say this is gone way too far. I mean, because someone then took that and put it on a video. So at some point, there was a lot of, you know, taking away from the initial crime that someone should have in that group said, this isn't okay. And they should have gone to the authorities. That they didn't, I think, has to be looked into. Yeah, but unfortunately, research shows that whether it's boys or girls, men or women, students or non-students, people don't often do that. Um, people think they would. And, and all the studies show that people say, oh, yeah, I would step up or I would you know, go to the authorities. But the average person doesn't because, as you said, they get caught up in that mob mentality and they don't want to be the one who possibly suffers the next you know, a- attack, so to speak. So most people will not uh, say anything. Um, and, you know, so I don't, again, I'm not trying to justify any of this. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to be realistic about it. I wouldn't expect most of those kids to have stood up, but I would have hoped that maybe at least one out of them would have afterwards thought about it, would have felt guilty and would have gone to someone and said, look, something really bad happened, you know, because they saw those kids, they saw the pain and yeah. terror in their face. This is not like online bullying where it seems like an anonymous victim. Mm-hmm. This is uh, to see someone suffer like that and not feel guilt, uh, you know, or enough guilt to, to come forward. Like I said, I don't expect most people to do it, but I would hope in a larger group, at least one would. You know, you know, a lot of assumptions are made. Look, I don't blame all the parents at that school, and I certainly don't blame all the kids, and I don't think the school's a bad school. I think they've got some real serious issues. But how much of this, um, you know, blame do you place at what goes on at home? In many cases, uh, you know, they are emulating something they've seen with the parents. Um, you know, again, we, we don't know these particular families, but there is a possibility that these kids, you know, they're just, it's monkey see, monkey do possibly. Um, and, you know, again, I, I, we don't know 
these specific families, but what I have seen in many cases uh, when I work with families is that the parents come to their kids' defense, they're willfully ignorant, Mm -hmm. and they may not encourage such reprehensible behavior, but they certainly defend their kid. They say, no, you must have it wrong. You know, they try to minimize it. And then the child not only learns that uh, nothing bad's going to happen, but they realize that, in fact, I'm going to be defended you know, uh, by my parents, and they have this horrible sense of entitlement, and they may not necessarily physically assault other people, but they are more inclined to do things that violate social norms, whether it's cheating, stealing, you know, sexually assaulting, or doing something like that. So uh, we have to assume that, you know, at least in some of these cases, the parents may not have, uh, you know, been the best models for their kids. And in some cases, uh, or maybe in some cases, they just weren't aware of just what their kids are capable of. And I hope that these parents brought the fear of, you know, whatever down on these kids and made them realize that this is not okay in any way. There's no defense and they have to face the repercussions. I think standing in a witness box with all eyes on you is probably the fear, the first uh, sense of fear that they've seen. Thanks so much, uh, Doc. I appreciate this. Thank you, as always, for uh, providing a platform for these kinds of discussions. Always. That is uh, Orn Amate. And if you want to see and get more information on what he does, he is docamate.com. Yeah, nothing, nothing like learning a hard lesson on a case like this where all of a sudden you haven't been punished at all in life and now you're standing in a court in an orange jumpsuit answering to charges like gang sex assault. Pretty sobering.